Yeah. What's up, guys? This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. This is Christopher Wallace in the 90s. I was hustling in front of the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. He's telling his life story. You know what I'm saying? The struggle, it's real then and now, because people from where he came from, Brooklyn, people in Brooklyn are still in the struggle. And uh, Brooklyn is a far cry from the Upper East Side. Am I right, my man? People knew hip-hop would take off. Run DMC knew. Dr. Dre knew. Ice Cube knew. Easy E. Sardines, fuck. Cool. You hear him? But this struggle, Biggie and Tupac, it's real. Still, for a large part of the United States. Why? The most powerful country in the world, and we have hella poor people. Still. Yeah, right. Why, politicians? What the fuck you guys doing up there in Congress and the Senate? Gats are guns, white people. I remember that. Five carrots, five celery. Interviews. They thought Steve Jobs was a fool. But listen, my people. Listen, don't look down at the problems in life, in business, and in politics. Look up. Leadership. Who's at the top? Families, who's at the top? Politics? Atari? Man. You fucking earned it. I don't know that life, man. I'm white. He didn't even get government cheese in his neighborhood. Yeah, you did. And neither did you, my man, did you? You didn't need government cheese, though, right? That's why they didn't, uh, they didn't let you kick it with them for very long. Poser. You ain't Eminem, and you know it. Eminem is called an outlier because 
he was a white kid that grew up in their neighborhood, their environment. He was one of theirs. See what I mean? Beverly Hills. Oh, we need our own police. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode 19 of the East West Grind Podcast. Everyone's got to be feeling that uh, sweet opening up momentum around the country. The Monterey Bay Aquarium is gearing up to open. It's exciting. Let's get into this. What do we got on our plates today, guys? We got some uh, food for thought, a little talk radio shit talk, President Biden. We got some of his uh, confirmed cabinet picks. We got gossip, some emails, some stories, and much, much more on this 19th episode of the East West Grind podcast. Thanks for being here and, and for spending your, you know, your Wednesday mornings with us here at the grind. I'm sorry I missed last week with you. We had a family emergency. I had to dip into town business for a large part of the week, you know, just to keep up and, and make sure, you know, everything was going good with everybody. So thanks for understanding. And to all the emails I could get back to, thank you again. And uh, family first. Everyone knows that. Anyways. So much fun listening to that intro music. It takes me back and it's exercise. And I take every opportunity, every chance I get to exercise. Because, you know, the aging process. But there's a lesson Christopher Wallace was trying to teach in his art. He's telling people from his neighborhood... And everyone else that's, uh, you know, that's listening from all necks of the woods. But he's telling them how he went from selling drugs on the corner, barely able to pay rent, to living in mansions with servants and traveling the world, doing what he loved. You weren't going to put Biggie Smalls in a nine to five, welcome to Jack in the Box, can I take your order type of job. Please. He had that it factor, and he wasn't afraid of it, and he ran with it, do or die, and unfortunately, die he did, him and Tupac, and as Brooks and Dung once sang, First time she'd been home in a year or two, just in time for the rehearsal dinner. That crazy Connie wasn't wearing any shoes Yeah, she lives in L.A. She flies to New York City That woman's been around the world You can take the girl out of the honky-tonk But you can't take the honky-tonk Take the honky-tonk out of the world That applies to every socioeconomic demographic neighborhoods, like in the rich and poor, it doesn't matter. And the cycles to which one is brought up in, rich or poor also. You stay in the cycle or you get out. Google is your friend, not your enemy. Depending on, you know, like where you get your sources from. The other day, some bozo sent me an article about trickle-down economics and a case about Project 
you know, Veritas winning a possible day in court. The article was from like a, like a WKRP in Cincinnati type of news place. I'm like, what the fuck? Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me, I'm living on the air in Cincinnati, Cincinnati WKRP. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking. Town to town. Listen, don't send me that shit. Anyways, back to cycles. Look, some of you may be. Wife beaters that made it. Am I right? Just because people got money doesn't mean they ain't a wife beater if they've been proven to be wife beaters in the past. You're still a fucking wife beater. Past, present, whatever. You've earned that title. You're still a wife beater more often than not. Today, statistically, if you're not, kudos. Way to learn how not to treat women. I get it now, though. I get it. Beck and call, girl. You ain't Richard Gere. This ain't pretty woman. Women come out of those types of relationships within a seven to ten year time frame. It's statistics, man. But anyways, let's get back to the message in Biggie Smalls' music. Biggie was like, in his music... He was like, I was all about this rap thing. He perfected his craft the way Gordon Ramsay perfected his craft. The culinary world is an art. The service industry is a balancing act or a dance. Not everybody can do it. So stop treating your servers like shit or your bakers or your fucking deli men, punks. Anyways, Every industry requires a certain set of skills, right? In order to reach the top. So in order to reach the top, you've got to master the craft, whatever it is. It's going to be different for everybody. And if you don't care about the work you're doing at home or at work, and only about the paycheck that you need to survive, you're in a rut of some sort, some sort of cycle. But it's a personal choice to be in or out of it. Choices. J.D. Vance, you are a punk and a sellout fame whore to your own community. J.D. Vance wrote the book Hillbilly Elegy. It's 2016-2017. Uh, they got turned into a Netflix movie recently. But J.D. Vance came out when that book got released and talked about how Trump took advantage of the less educated of like the Appalachians where where he came from and kind of like like coal miner's daughter. I was born to coal miner's daughter. 
in a cabin on a hill in Butcher Holler. We were poor, but we had love. That's the one thing that my daddy made sure of. And he shoveled coal to make a poor man's dollar. That was Loretta Lynn speaking her song. Talk about blowing up. Country music legend is how Loretta Lynn is introduced. And she's still alive. Fucking 88 years old, living her best life, just farming on her own land, I can imagine. But she sat down for an interview with Dan Rather about three years ago, I guess. And Dan asked her, how did Doolittle Lynn die? Do was her husband since she was like 13. What? What the fuck? I know. That was okay back then. It's considered child molestation now because, of course, a 13-year-old girl can't be making life choices like marriage at 13. They don't know what time it is. They're kids. A 13-year-old girl marrying a 25-year-old man? That's how old Dew was when they met. But that's prison in today's society. And I say good. But Loretta Lynn replied to Dan Rather with, well, the sugar diabetes got him. And I'm not making fun of her southern accent for all you cancelettes. Keep your emails. But how did diabetes get due and not Loretta herself? They're both from the farming community in Butcher Holler. That's that good farm fresh food. They raise their own chickens. Why is she still here and not him? Possibly because they led different lifestyles as a married couple. Dew was a stone-cold alcoholic. Whiskey. Respect. But much like tequila, it's the devil's lettuce, as my brother would refer to with cannabis. But Dew Little Lynn was the alcoholic, not Loretta. And alcohol turns to sugar in the system. Dew Little Lynn most likely died from diabetes as a result of alcoholism. What causes type 2 diabetes? And I'll put an article in the notes from the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Disease Institute. It's all in there. Type 2 diabetes, the most common form of diabetes, is caused by several factors, including lifestyle factors and genes. So in those rural areas, like the butcher haulers, like J.D. Vance's hometown, where there's less education, where there's less education, you have less educated people, right? And not just on the long-term effects of, you know, alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Higher rates of other health issues. Higher heart disease as a result of less education. because. If people don't know what's fucking them up, how do they know how to change the intake of what they're eating or drinking to not be fucked up? People don't know if they don't know any better. And if people don't know any better, they can't do any better. Maya Angelou said that. And listen, it took me years to understand the damage processed foods we're doing to me, and I'm from the suburbs. 
not any rural areas. Well, the suburbs, you know, when they were the suburbs and not like Silicon Valley, because that's where we're at now. That's what it's evolved into. But the Google food team and their expectations in how and why they took on the farm to fork, clean, healthy, responsibly raised foods, mission and vision for their companies and what they fed their people. They changed the way I ate and the way I looked at food. I learned about organics and food allergens and sustainability. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount so it all gets used. That's sustainability. Lots of shit's wrong with with the kids of today, gluten-free, no dairy, no nuts. When did that start to happen and what is the common denominator? We ate peanut butter and jelly when we were growing up, drank a whole vitamin D. I don't drink milk anymore. I don't eat cereal, so. We also drank out of the water hose outside. But what the fuck happened with all these kids, millennials and, you know, Gen Y, Z? Maybe a small part of the millennials because my kids, they could eat anything too. No allergies. And I'm not judging the allergy community. I believe as I age, I'm developing an allergy to like dust or pollen. See, I come in peace. I'm just curious about what it is, what has happened. No carbs, no this, no that. But I think I might have the answer to my own question. Follow me real quick. With the growth of technology came much easier access to information. Let's use... um. Healthy eating, for an example, because that's the kick Dinez Johnson has me on right now. But I think the younger generations as a whole may not have allergies or food restrictions. Some, not all. You know, I'm sure that there's a large part, but a large part of the anti-carbs, anti-processed foods crowd, they may just be aware of the damage that carbs and processed foods do to our organs. Thanks in large part to Google. You don't have to be a heart surgeon or a nutritionist to get good eating habits anymore. It's on the internet. And these kids, these younger generations, you know, they're not doing everything wrong. They're doing a lot of shit right. They need the credit. They need the props for that. Some shit they're fucking up. Some shit they're, you know, some shit they're good at. But, um, but I think they're, they're learning early on what carbs and processed shit due to your health. And they want to avoid it altogether by not even consuming it. I'm in that crowd now. I'm not tired and lethargic anymore. It's the oddest thing. It's great, but it amazes me. Sometimes I cheat. We all cheat. If I've had a chili dog from Wiener Dude, that's my cheat day. Once in a blue moon. But I'm on the couch, all bloated and just all, I have to take a nap for like 15 minutes. It is a fucking trip. Pay attention to how, you know, you feel after after you've had any fast food or processed foods meals. If you're ready for bed right after, that's that sweet, sweet, slow death chemical like tryptophan. But as we were discussing about life and happiness and extending this life that we have here, like 20 minutes ago, 10 minutes, 15, whatever, 
But if you're listening to this, you're alive and in life somewhere, right? Time is limited here, my friend, to tomorrow, later today, 20, 30 years from now, God willing. But nobody knows. And the effort one puts into their physical and mental self-awareness and self-care here, walking, jogging, yoga, yoga, sauna, no fucking stress, eating healthy, Tom fucking bill you. But all of those things combined usually determine one's life expectancy and the quality of that life. Usually, usually it's statistics. Here's an example. If you're like 60 and you partied in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, hardcore, boozing it up, eating bad shit, drugs, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just having a conversation. This is statistics, biochemistry. Quick side note, I had the R&Y gastric bypass surgery. Obviously, I had a relationship with food. Addiction, dopamine imbalance, neuroscience. Anyways, if you've partied all your life, chances are you're beat up, probably wheelchair bound, hacking up a lung. Because in your head, wrapped up in addiction, in your head, you're still in your 20s. But you've been partying so much, you're fucking 65, 70, and you still. Think you're 20. That's how fucked up you are. But your physical body goes out and can't keep up. That is biology and neuroscience. I read it for fun. Statistics and historical facts. Thank you, Google. My mother-in-law is like 84. She's out with my sister-in-law at the grocery store, fucking Home Depot, looking for things for her granddaughter's new house, and her new great-grandbaby that's coming. And she's got some, you know, bumps along the way, Mother D, but she keeps it moving. She's Melba. But to my earlier point about uh, where does one expect to be in life if they've partied for decades as a functioning whatever, where do you expect you'd be? You are broke back mountain, man. Facts. I'm not talking about the movie either. I go into homeless camps in San Francisco or Oakland, Berkeley. I talk to people just that beat up, like that God kill me look you'd see in the face of a homeless guy or a multimillionaire with that bottle or drug or mental illness. Some looking for that way out, some not, if there is a way. And most often, there is. But that way out, it don't fall in your lap. The individual in that predicament puts the effort in, takes the hand up if it's offered. Wherever you are in this world listening to our East West Grind podcast, egos down, egos ruin people's lives, careers, lives. Look it up. More statistics. And now back to Christopher Wallace and how he got to the top. And listen, I have no idea what these new guys are rapping about. It's garbage, trash, rap. Countries crossed over to rock. 
I've no clue what these folks are saying either. Nicki Minaj fighting with Mariah Carey. You can't fuck with Mariah. She too is a music icon. Mariah Carey is to pop what Barbara Streisand is to every fucking thing. Adele falls in the Barbara Streisand category too. Lady Gaga, J-Lo. That's a different playing field. Nicki Minaj, Cardi B. I'm sorry, ladies, but you all become Vanilla Ice and Debbie Gibson. Your marketing team fucked up. Why? Because your target audience doesn't cross generational interests. It's all good, though. We'll see you guys on the now 5000 CD with the Machine Gun Kelly. That's a huge accomplishment, too. You know, congratulations. Tupac Shakur, had he lived and fully come into who he was meant to be here in this life and committed to that evolution, because he came from some pretty hard times too. But he'd be today's MLK. He'd be a young version of Dr. Cornell West. Tupac's mother was a Black Panther. He too wrote about his life experiences and how his life came from like negative zero to icon. These two inner city kids in the rap world, Tupac and Biggie, along with Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Run DMC, they all go down in global musical history books with Metallica, ACDC, the Eagles. In politics, they'd be equivalent to like a, you know, today's ver- like a John McCain or a Barack Obama of our time. Those are all American icons, and they are globally recognized and loved and respected. Fleetwood Mac, motherfucker. Linda Ronstadt. women. Fucking A. Good music. We're gonna, we're like 28 minutes in already, but that intro was pretty long, right? But we're just gonna talk and see where we end up today, okay? Cool, because we're just going as we go. So welcome again to this uh, professional, professional East West Grind podcast episode 1919. 19 and anything is equivalent to like an infant or a rookie in most cases. In business, which this professional East West Grind podcast is, and in life, 19 episodes and 19 years ain't shit. What does a 19 year old know about life? As a 51 year old looking back at my 19 year old self, I knew nothing, but I thought I knew it all. That's normal, though, I think. Most young people think 
They know what time it is until life bitch slaps them. And that always happens. Look at the millennials and the Gen Z taking hits to the dome when shit doesn't go their way. Suicide rates. Suicide rates are off the charts in the younger generations. Even the older generations. The CEO of Texas Roadhouse just committed suicide. People are just giving up, man. They say it had something to do with COVID with that CEO, but I don't know. I don't know. But what's missing in the younger generations is resilience. In my day, you step on a bee, grandma puts your foot in mud, tells you to come on inside for lunch when when you've stopped crying. Today, a kid steps on a bee, and these helicopter moms call 911. Oh my God, oh my God. True story. Sometimes kids need to get a little bumped and bruised. You know, it teaches them. Lessons learned. But the decisions one makes at 19, usually big decisions, affects the trajectory of each individual's life differently. Thus continuing a cycle from which they've come or educating oneself enough to get out of the cycle. Dr. Joe Dispenza is a neuroscientist. That's the study of the brain and our endogenous chemicals. Interesting seminars and studies. I'll, uh, I'll put one of the seminars in the show notes. But here's a, a Chuck Woolery teaser of what he's talking about. See you on the other side of this, friends. You see, you think 60 to 70,000 thoughts in one day. Out of those 60 to 70,000 thoughts that you think in one day, 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as the day before. So if you believe that your thoughts somehow are connected to your life, then the same thoughts always lead to the same choices. The same choices always lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors create the same experiences, and the same experiences produce the same emotions. And those very same emotions drive the very same thoughts. And your biology, your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry, your neurohormones, and even your genetic expression is equal to how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. And your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. So then, if you wanted to create a new personal reality, a new life, then you would have to start thinking about what you've been thinking about and change it you would have to become aware of your unconscious thoughts and observe them. You would have to pay attention to your automatic habits and behaviors and modify them. And you would have to look at the emotions you live by every single day that are connected to your past. He's my meditation guy too, Dr. Joe Dispenza. But real quick, if you're looking... This is the quick side note. If you're looking for a Netflix show to binge, my daughter turned me on to this show called Atypical about this autistic kid, Sam, played by Kier Gertrist. 
Anyways, in the show, Sam and his sister Casey, played by Bridget Lundy Payne, she does a great job. I love the one to slap the shit out of her. You know, as a teenager, self-raising one, whatever, whatever. And of course, the very talented and versatile glue of the show, Jennifer Jason Lee. Everyone remembers her, right? Tell us about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hmm. It's about growing up in the 80s, about trying to cope with all the uncertainties and all the terrors and joys and frustrations of being an adolescent. Do you think it portrays the teenage situation honestly? Quite honestly, yes. In what ways? Well, I think it's a lot harder to be a kid today. It's, um, kids are pressured into being adults before they're finished being kids, and it shows that. Yeah, everybody remembers her. She's been acting probably since, like, forever. Her father was Vic Morrow, and if you're older than 50, that name will ring a bell, too. Anyways, it's a great show. I feel like I could, you know, have a conversation with that Sam character. My five-year-old nephew went on to me recently about how bees pollinate and how bumblebees are different from honeybees. And I'm just like, oh, shit. I got a young Sheldon here. Okay, come on up here, Sheldon. Let's hear what you got. I've spent the last week studying what people believe, and I've come to a conclusion. And what's that? I'm starting my own religion. I'm sorry, what? I'm calling it mathology. It's based on a universal binary system. That's terrific, Sheldon, but this is a Baptist Sunday school. I know. I'm here to convert everybody. Any takers? Okay. Let's go have a talk with your mom. We got a couple of those little brainiacs in my family, Colton and Tyler. It'll be interesting to see how their lives unfold. Anyways, Netflix show. If you're looking for something to chill with, Atypical is really good. And I hear it's wrapping up its fourth and final season, so I'm looking forward to watching it. Side note, Mike from L.A. says, uh, You fucked up in an episode last week. You need more attention to detail. What's up, Mike? Thanks for listening. We're, uh, we're pretty green here still in the game, in the podcasting game. We've said that. I mean, we're only 19 episodes in, and we've, you know, we're already globally known. We've got people in the entertainment world listening to us. We've got people in politics, people all over the world, and they're listening to us. That's fucking great. And we're just, like I said, just 19 episodes in. I hear you on the attention to detail, but if that's all you got, I feel pretty good. I mean, I've listened to podcasts with like 800, 805 episodes, and I've heard some funk too. So I'll take your feedback as a compliment. I'll keep my eye on the ball, and I thank you for listening, G. Can't stop, won't stop. Where the bricks at? I give them that ditty bop. Like, take that, take that, take that, take that. I'ma put in work. I'ma do that ASAP. Throw my faith in rap. But it say, don't say that, huh? What I'ma turn down for? I feel like Shaq and Nafo. Breaking glass in that backboard. I like Kobe and Toronto, huh? Dropping 81. Yo, I dropped the 88. Ricky Bobby, shaking bake. Sleeping on it, should've stayed away, huh? Like VJs, try say my name, it's Minio. Say it with me, Minio. Okay, great, two forks high, raise stakes. Risk it all, I take the hate, this the winning team. Get the Gatorade, my guy good, but he's not safe, nah. 
They try to shut us down and it ain't gonna slack Only thing I fear is God and he on my side That's the confidence of God all right, what's next? I've been reading all kinds of articles. That's what I do. I get up at 3 a.m., read all the papers from Breitbart to the Washington Post, get a little John Berman in my life. Then I move over to C-SPAN for the theatrics of 90% Republican and 10% Democrats. Just like, oh, the cancel culture of the conservatives. And you know what? The clowns in Congress are the worst. Just disrespectful to the floors and the chambers they walk. That's the United States government. Fucking trailer park trash. No disrespect. But Americans run shit. So we gotta send the very best to represent us on that national and global stage. Some of you guys be sending the Honey Boo Boos, the Mother Junes, whatever the fuck, to Congress and in the Senate. Just looking stupid. Taylor Green, Boebert, anyone on the Trumps, white trash born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Speaking of the Trumps, Eric Trump today, Eric Trump throws out in the media that they're thinking about opening up a casino out there in Florida. I say, Nike, just do it. Yeah, just fucking, just fucking do it, you guys. Three, T-H-R-E-E, bankruptcies, failed ass casinos, man. Facts of history, episode, I don't know, one through now. Go for it, Trumps. Start those casinos. Start that social media platform the other son or daughter-in-law, whatever, was talking about dropping. You guys going to drop your own social Great. Do it. Nobody's going to invest money in that family. No private investors and no banks. All American banks and now even Doce Bank has stopped fronting that family of shitters money because they don't pay their bills. But... I say go for it because I think this will be fun to watch. The entire fucking bloodline. All right, Simon, do your worst. I find it's easy if I make it into a little song. Red, green, blue, green, blue, blue. Then you put in words. I like tea and cakes for tea and cake time. Oh, Brian, you're still up. Lois, listen, uh, I... We, we need to talk. Oh, my, I'd better leave you two alone. What's the matter, Brian? I've been thinking about us, and uh, I, I just don't think it's working out. Oh, my God, no way. Y you want to break up? Why? I, I just don't think you're the right woman for me. Oh, bitch, you got jacked, bitch. Maybe you should see if Peter will still take you back. I I'm, I'm sorry, Lois. I understand, Brian. There's no possible way I can ever thank you enough for this. You're a good friend. You're a good friend too, Lois. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's what the that's what the Trumps say every time they have a loan come due. You got jack, bitch. Anyways, what else we got? People are starting, you know, to work off their COVID fifteen pounds and get back into those jeans. Cause it's time to, you know, come out of the sweatpants. Hashtag B Milba. 
Italy's messed up again. They're shutting everything back down. Enough with the deaths. Let's get these vaccines. I had my first dose of Pfizer last week. No side effects, just arm pain like I'd gotten a tetanus shot. No big deal. I mean, I gave birth twice. A little poke in the arm. Seriously, no big deal. And the vaccination card that they give you, it looks exactly like the card my mom had to show the school's before we could go to kindergarten, right? I mean, everybody went through that. Everybody's been vaccinated before. Stop acting like you haven't. There ain't no chip in this shit. The chip is in your phone, fool. But on April 1st, my sister and I will, you know, haul our asses back to San Francisco for my second dose and some brunch out there. I'm looking forward to that. She'd never been to the Castro area before out there in San Francisco. I took her last time when I got my first dose. I took her to Harvey's. But she was like, wow, rainbow sidewalk, crosswalks and such. Cool. It's very cool because she's experiencing, you know, new things. And she's open to it. Like I said, she'd never been down there. She's looking around. It's fun. Which is, you know, out of the box for a lot of people. Just being willing to be open to it. And wait till Asia SF opens. I'm going to take her there. She'll love that place. My sister will grab those stripper poles and get to work. Help! Help me! I was kidding! I was only kidding! I am totally kidding, of course. And she's going to kick my ass when she sees me. But I love her. I'm just kidding. JK, JK. But welcome to the Castro, bitch. got some uh, food for thoughts. We're seeing some real openings up here in California. It's moving. It's, it's nice. I'm seeing people I haven't seen in like a year. Like, oh shit, you made it through. Some have lost relatives to COVID. Some are just staying in the house and not fucking with it. But I, uh, I totally feel the momentum of people wanting to come out and get back to normal. It feels fucking good. It feels really fucking good. Also in the food for thought, uh, just a little information, a little housekeeping. I recently did an interview with another podcast last week. They're out there in Florida, podcast influencers or something like that. They're just coming out the gate too. So, you know, we're helping each other out. But uh, before we started with the host, we had a little, you know, little conversation before the interview. And he was like, did you read the questions, the pre-questions I sent? I was like, no, you know, I don't work like that. Just ask me the questions and if I have the answer, I'll answer it. If I don't, I'll pass. I'll just pass. I don't know the answer. He seemed to really like that. And what was supposed to be a 10 to 15 minute scheduled interview turned into like 30 minutes. 
it was fucking fun. I'm looking forward to see how that comes out. And once it does, I'll put it in the notes too. So you guys can like hear it. And it's pretty fucking cool. I liked it. Speaking of interviews, uh, we're lining up an interview with a legend in Bay Area rock metal music history, Mr. George Lady. He was instrumental in the push of these Bay Area bands working closely with, you know, he worked with uh, Cliff Burton, who worked with Metallica until his untimely death. But we're coordinating times and dates as we, you know, as you and I speak right now, but uh, getting George Lady on the books is really important to me. So hang in there. And I'm looking forward, like I said, to, to interviewing this gentleman. Are you ready to get your teeth pulled? Are you ready to do it, Cliff? Mr. Cliff Burton, all right. Quick, here's an inner or uh, uh, an email tweet, some sort of information fed to me. But this is from Samuel for MAGA in Boca Raton. All you feminists and women just bitch and whine about Trump. You have no business on the radio. That was it. That was the end of it. That's what he said. What's up, Sam in Boca Raton? Listen, you think I bitch and whine? Check this bitch out real quick. Two minutes. So January comes along. Then Johnson and Johnson working all through warp speed. They have a one shot vaccine. And what happens? They don't have the capacity to make enough of them. So they start on their own talking to Merck. And they've done this throughout. These companies have been sharing their science. They didn't need Joe Biden. They've been sharing their information. And now they're sharing their assembly lines to get this stuff done. Why? Because the private sector is patriotic. Because people working hard in the private sector did this. Not seven weeks of Mr. Is that my sister? Is that my wife? And so what happened? So they quickly ordered more of the Johnson and Johnson vaccines. In the end, before Donald Trump lost uh, left uh, office, he had contracted for enough approved vaccines to inoculate 550 million people. It takes time to ramp up. You got to have the the channels of uh, of production. You got to have the material. You're competing overseas with other companies and other countries. The idea, this speech that uh, uh, Joe Biden gave is the most disgusting, propagandistic speech that a demagogue, even a politician has ever given. It is pathetic. And you'll notice he... And his spokesperson, Saki, never tell us exactly what they've done and exactly who's done it that is so different from the Trump administration. This is so appalling. You want to talk bitch, Sam? That was crybaby little bitch and the great one, Mark Levin, on Sean Hannity, talking nothing but shit. Listen, do you guys think that companies 
like Pfizer and like Moderna, J&J, you think they were just going to sit around playing golf, waiting for Trump to order them to make a vaccine? Is that how dumb people really are? While those companies and many more, you know, like them, were already working on a vaccine, Trump was here when he was president. He was pushing and sold with our tax dollars. Billions of those hydroxychloroquine, rendezvous, whatever the fuck, to pharmacies all over this country as a cure for COVID. That did not work. You guys can't fucking, re- you can't forget that it was less than a year ago. And as we said here early, the American people were going to get stuck holding the bag on that shit. And we did. Episode three or four. Wasted tax dollars on those shits. But Mr. Trump spent hundreds of millions on those two, you know, miracle cures, whatever, that did not work. And just as we suspected, the pharmacies had to store that garbage in some warehouse somewhere, and they will probably expire before they can be used. Nobody has malaria, man. Nobody has malaria. He fucking suckered the American people. And he switched the narrative real quick with uh, Dr. Fauci's evil. So, sir, whatever your name was, he didn't order the pharmaceutical industry to develop shit. They gave him timelines of when they'd have vaccines ready. Thanks in large part to the technological advances. And as usual, he rode the coattails like he does with everything and everybody in his entire life. That is facts of history, Samuel, 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 whatever, in Boca. And now, now I usually save my fuck-offs for the politicians, the talk radio people, the CEOs. But you're special, Sam. Do me a favor. Don't come back to the show. You're way too far out in the weeds of life to understand what we're doing here. So, lead, follow. All right, Biden's got some, uh, he's got some cabinet picks again. They've been confirmed. We got uh, three more to be that's where I'm at right now. So one is a confirmed pediatric doctor, Rachel Levin. She'll be the first transgender at the upper echelons of our government. Deb Holland, Holland was confirmed as the Secretary of Interior. Deb Holland is a, the first Native American cabinet pick. She's an attorney and a former congressman. Congresswoman, my apologies. Uh, Michael Reagan was confirmed as the first African American to lead the EPA. He has a bachelor's in earth and environmental science and a master's in public administration. Do you guys see the difference here in these administrations from this one to that one? Biden is putting all the colors of the rainbow in into position at the top to create a professionally educated in their fields, but a professional group of melting pot leaders. Isn't that America? A melting pot? That's what I was taught in school. 
And that is leadership 101. Experts in their field so they can tell Biden what the best moves to make in those specific fields or departments that they lead, how they should make moves. Okay, President Biden, we should do this in terms of the EPA. We should do this in terms of, you know, HUD, whatever it is. You got to have experts there. Leadership in turbulent times. I keep saying this. Doris Kearns Goodwin. I love her. But under Trump, he hired any Tom, Dick and Harry and told them what moves to make. He put a truck driver at the top of the USDA, fired all the federal health inspectors, and the country wondered why there were so many meat and poultry and vegetable recalls over the past five years. They rolled back all the food regulations to save a buck, which means the manufacturers cut corners. But what the fuck did Trump care? He had and has. But Trump has and had, has, had, and does, have personal chefs cooking his meals. He doesn't get the same food as the peasant working stiffs do. Joe's moving quick. This will get straightened out real quick. FDA, all these agencies, they'll get straightened out. Uh, in the political hopper, what do we got here? We got the uh, governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Chuck Woolery, guys, see you in a minute. About what we're talking about. And this is the editorial board, which wrote, is Florida's Governor DeSantis trading COVID vaccinations for is Florida's Governor DeSantis trading COVID vaccinations for votes? Someone should invest in $3.9 million since December, including $2.7 million in February when he was focusing on the pop-up vaccination sites. Residents at Ocean Reef Club, a wealthy gated community in Key Largo, gave him $90,000 through December. One resident, former Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner, wrote a $250,000 check on February 25th. In January, when vaccines were still scarce, Ocean Reef received 1,200 doses. In January, when vaccines... This is what is happening here in the state of Florida and talking about two of our statewide electeds as our commissioner of agriculture. Boy, do we know how to have a special type of uh, Republican here in our state that we're growing. You know, basically what we're seeing here in our state is that the governor is playing favoritism to his white wealthy donors. Uh, We've seen now not only those two instances that you just mentioned, uh, but there is more that are popping up every single day. And so what's happening is, is the governor who had never had a plan on how the vaccines to be rolled out. Uh, So he's had this hodgepodge, you know, really plan in place and is allowing a lot of the, the white wealthy donors to get to the front of the line where all of our minorities and all of our disenfranchised communities are still waiting for the vaccines. Um, so this is something that I think, you know, as a past public defender, um, I've seen fact patterns time and time again. And when there's smoke, uh, there's typically fire. And I've never seen corruption just like this, uh, which is why we've asked the FBI to get engaged and to do an investigation. Yeah, that was Florida Agricultural Commissioner Nikki Fried. I hope I never, ever get an email about what a piece of shit Governor Gavin Newsom is again. Governor Newsom is not jumping the line for his own vaccination, let alone sending vaccine vans to wealthy neighborhoods. I didn't come up in a gated community. What the fuck, Florida? That's not right. Do all Texans live in a gated upscale community like where DeSantis sent those vans? If you don't, are you okay with your governor sending vaccines to the wealthy people who donate to his campaign? I doubt it. Line jumpers, cheats, motherfuckers, disrespectfully. All right, let's get into some gossip real quick. 
NBC reported that the Texas Attorney General spent 22,000 hours looking for voter fraud and uncovered just 16 cases of false addresses or registration forms. 16! How many fucking weeks is that where, you know, wait, what, where's my fucking calculator? Hold on. Eight hours a day times five days is 40 hours. 40 hours a week times four weeks a month is 20 days and that's 320 hours. If one works 40 hours a week, that's only 320 hours. The election was just about four or five months ago. What the fuck, Teddy? Texas? How many people did you have on this nonsense out there in Texas? How much did it cost to find 16 bad news bears votes? Huh? Your state has been underwater recently, declared a national disaster or emergency, I think. And this dumb shit is what you've been spending your taxpayers' dollars on? It is an unlocked footlocker! You know that, don't you? Sir, yes, sir! If it wasn't for dickheads like you, there wouldn't be any thievery in this world, would there? Sir, no, sir! Get out! Well, now, let's just see if there's anything missing. Holy Jesus. What is that? And in the words of Mark McKinnon, the biggest fraud in American politics is the notion that there was fraud. Ted Cruz has an eight-pound jelly donut on his shoulders. Bazinga! All right, we got some emails out the hopper. Uh, We got a guy that DM'd me about teenage transgenders. Male to female, for example. But the claim is that boys in the K-12 through school system are identifying as transgenders just to get into girls' sports. I had to laugh, laugh at this shit. You see the garbage that Fox in them? Them being the conservative outlets and sources. But you see the garbage conservative media is selling their viewers or readers which those viewers then absorb and then repeat, resulting in a lot of them just looking dumb. Man, dumb. But this DM claims that boys can simply identify as a female and poof, they can enter girl sports. Like the adults in the school district would just be like, oh, okay, cool. That's good. Come on in and try out. That doesn't happen. That's 1A. That we just went over. That's 1A. 1B, what adolescent, what adolescent boy, any boy, would be so desperate for a trophy or scholarship that he'd fake, he'd fake, identify as a trans just to get into sports? Who would raise a kid that fucked up and knowingly go along with it? Because parents, of course, you know, would have to be involved in these conversations with the student uh, and the school and the faculty and the, you know, the school district, right? I mean, there has to be conversations. You can't just fucking boom, go do it. But if someone knew their kid was pulling some shit like this just to be in sports and they were covering up too, just to go with it, 
Well, then you see where the kid gets his conning skills from, huh? I can't imagine this scenario happening at all, let alone at a scale that puts the conservative media's ass hair on fire, because it logically doesn't make sense. Now see, another point to that point in the DM claimed that boys who have had the reassignment surgery to go from male to female The claim is that a large chunk of students are just doing it for scholarships. This is what this fucking bozo sent me. And this is what the conservative media is pushing. And people, again, are buying it. Come on, you guys, think. So all that we just went over, one and two, two is going to be a quick side note story uh, to paint this picture for you. I'll use myself for this little analogy grab some coffee or whatever real quick. I'll try and make it quick. I know we're going over, we're going long. But as I discussed earlier, I had the ruin wine gastric bypass about 12 years ago. That put me in my late 30s at the time. And in my late 30s, even in my late 30s, I could not just walk into Kaiser and say, reroute my intestines and staple my stomach together, please and thank you. That's not how it works. That was a life-altering event. I had to eat different things. I had to chew my food a certain way. It was a process of learning what to expect and learning through the process from start to surgery, which was almost a year, I might add. And this DM wants me to believe that children are being given reassignment surgery based on how they feel at at pubescent and prepubescent ages. I'm sorry, dude, but that's just fucking dumb. And we're also to believe that parents and surgeons just willy-nilly go along with the kid and change their gender? Get the fuck out of here, man. If I, at 38, had to do a year to have stomach surgery, my stomach stapled, what do you think gender reassignment for a kid would require? That That type of thing requires years of hormone medication for both Reassignments, male to female, female to male. Years of psychiatry and counseling to make sure you want to go from one gender to another. Well into adulthood. There ain't no boys in makeup and skirts in girls sports. Stop the bullshit. Fox takes you guys who believe this shit for suckers while they take your money. This is some of the dumbest shit they've ever resorted to. It's disgusting. Okay, next up in the DM hopper, I got a message from a guy. And I'm not going to say his name because I know he likes to hear his name on our show. And if you've been following us since the beginning of this East West Grind podcast, you know who I'm talking about. If you don't, well, welcome. Welcome Bangladesh. Assalamu alaikum to all my new friends. But all you newbies here at The Grind, do us a favor, please. Go on back to the beginning. We're just getting our feet wet in the game of podcasting. Like I said, we're only 19 episodes in. And that's easy to catch up. It's not like it's Dexter, seven or ten episodes. My sister's been fucked up on Dexter. But, you know, that way, if you went back to the beginning, you can figure out just who this guy is. We're going to call him John Doe. 
That's what we're going to call you till you get it right. But I've been having a political love affair with John the past year, my little Colorado superfan. Colorado's got that Lauren Boebert who was being talked to by the FBI, FYI, for the tour she gave of the Capitol the day before the insurrection. Reminder, and if she did some dumb shit, like give tours where she shouldn't have or to people she shouldn't have, the FBI will find out. And I hope they cart her white trash ass off to the who's gal for the pawn that she has been. If. Anyways, John becomes John because John is still bringing dumb shit to me to argue. That's why he's John and not So, John, it is. John's common because you're common, John. So, John sends me a link, a link written by The Hill. Not a very credible source to me at all. And if I'm not mistaken, The Hill has some financial struggles. I think I read that. But anyways, John DMs me with this article from The Hill about how The Washington Post wrote this lengthy correction about a story they told on Trump. So, John sends me this article. I say so. John then says the Washington Post had to write a lengthy correction. Again, I say so. Well, they had, you know, to write that that lengthy correction, which means they fucked up really bad, especially if it had to be lengthy. So I say, okay, it's early. I'm still drinking my coffee before I, you know, before I get started with my yoga and my meditation. So I say to myself, self, play. Go ahead and play. So I opened the article and it was, you know, all dramatic, like the Washington Post reports that the AP, the Associated Press, wrote a lengthy 126-word correction to an article reported on Trump for misquoting him. See? Like that. I mean, these conservatives, some, not all, cannot pick a fight, man. It's everything with these guys. Most of them. So much drama, I can't fucking take it. So I said to John, on the lengthy correction, I say, you think 126 words is lengthy? Please. This shit is almost 5,000 words. Maybe more. Get out of here with this fucking 126 word bullshit. And this is how fucked up the conservative media is. I say media in air quotes, as always with these guys. But this is how fucked up conservative media is making its Republican viewers and listeners. They are making fools to you guys. My MAGA conservative listeners, Fox, Newsmax, Own, Shapiro, Bongino, motherfucker Carlson, who is losing his shit up there every night, by the way, shaking his head all, oh my God, oh my God. It's embarrassing. And of course, our uh, lovely three country citizenship holder, and America First podcast host himself. Side note, how can, how can he be America First when he holds three citizenships and America is his third stops, his third stop? I don't know. Sounds shady to me. Keep your eye on America First with Sebastian Gorka. That was for my man, Jesse, at work. Anyways, uh, let's, not, let's also not forget about uh, Steve Kentucky Bourbon Bannon. All these motherfuckers. 
But here's how they're presenting that 126-word correction, much like the guy that sent me the DM. Like, ooh, WAPO issued a AP's 126-word correction. It must have been a total lie because it's so long. John isn't reading the correction, just that it's 126 words. So here is what I want to ask John. I saved my response for the show. But John, don't you want a detailed explanation for when journalists fuck up and give the wrong or incomplete uh, information? Even the smallest of corrections, like in the AP or, or the WAPO. But don't you want to know the who, what, where, when, why of why the mistake was made? Don't you? I do. Does anyone else out there? L.A.? New York? Because I guarantee, John, at the Texas Roadhouse where you work, if you are a manager and there is an incident, employee or customer, there is a detailed incident report taken and reported to get to the bottom or the root of the problem and the possible liability. That is fact. The AP's error in reporting is a liability for the paper, hence the detailed correction to make it right. And if those standards of accountability, the who, what, where, when, why, how, are good enough for the service industry, the working stiffs, it better be goddamn good enough for all industries, journalism and politics alike. Washington Post reported the Associated Press's correction that the AP misquoted something about Trump The AP explained how they reported it, how they were wrong, and they corrected it. That is journalistic integrity, correcting the record when you make a mistake. Washington Post and the Associated Press are globally respected news sources. They employ Pulitzer Prize winning journalists. Philip Rucker, I think Trump called him fake news or dumb or some shit like that. He won a Pulitzer Prize for his writings in the Washington Post. Who's the real dummy here, people? But of course, papers have corrections. How often papers have corrections should be the red flag. Not that they made a thorough correction, because nobody's perfect. They get it wrong. As long as you make it right, that's the difference. But John, here's the correction you get from Hannity or Carlson. Here's how slick they are. And they're slick because they want to put the correction out there so they don't, you know, catch a case. But they really don't want you to, you know, you the listener to catch the correction. Here's an example. The needles, this is Tucker Carlson or Hannity. The needles in San Francisco are flying off, you know, off the shelves on their own and dropping into people's arms in San Francisco. It's out of control. Now, here's where they insert the correction when they're on that little rant like that. Fox News has no proof Dominion voting machines was rigged or the election was a fraud or stolen from Trump. And then they slide right back into Gavin Newsom is working for the Black Lives Matter, communism, socialism. See what I mean? Fox counts on their listeners not really listening to what they're saying. And it works. Their listeners got life going on in the background. Work, kids, husbands, hi, uh, wives. How's this bill or that bill going to get paid? You know, Fox is always accusing the liberals of 
calling the Republicans Walmart people. I don't know anyone that does that. But what I do know is the Walmart worker, with all the chaos of life in the background, and nine times out of ten, if that chaos is going on in life, that person or people very well may have missed the Fox Sly correction. Maybe you're cooking or cleaning or breaking up fights with your kids, and boom, their 10-second correction is made, and you are back in time to hear shit like this. For the second time this week, President Trump spent time bragging about his cognitive testing results, this time in an interview with Fox News contributor Dr. Mark Siegel. It was 30 or 35 questions. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult, uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. If you get it in order, you get extra points. If you, Okay, now he's asking you other questions, other questions, and then 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, they say, remember the first question? Not the first, but the 10th question? Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. They said nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy, but for me it was easy. See how dumb Fox and Trump take their base for? That's a grade school aptitude test. Man, woman, dog, cat, whatever. Yeah, a 74-year-old man would be considered a genius after taking a 5- to 12-year-old's test. He's a genius in 5th grade and a 74-year-old. And at 74, my apologies, he governed like a 5- to 12-year-old. Does that make sense? Fox was his lapdog, and they are both conning the less educated of the Republican Party, preying on them. Get your shit together, John, and stop wasting my time. Come prepared or don't come at all. Oh, crrr. All right, guys. I'm out. I'm exhausted. We'll catch up next week. And as always, my friends, thanks for spending your Wednesdays here with us at The Grind. See you next time, guys. I got your back as always. Peace. Sun to your